Would you turn your Bible, please, to the third chapter of John? John, the third chapter. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank Thee for this precious music that has blessed our hearts. We're glad for the anchor we have for our soul. And we're so thankful for that cross that is the emblem of our faith, which looks to an empty tomb, the glorious resurrection, that there is hope for those who sit in the land of the shadow of death. Open our hearts to Thee this morning, and may Thy Spirit tune our hearts to sing a new song unto Christ. Bless those who are in trouble, those in this very auditorium and are within the sound of our voice, who have weighty decisions that must be made before the day is over. Touch their lives and may the Holy Spirit give guidance. Open the lost to Jesus. We ask it in His name. Amen. We've been in a series of messages through the book of John. We come today to the third chapter of John. And last Sunday morning, interestingly enough, Brother Ildi Galarin spoke on this same chapter. That was very, very interesting because that's what I'd planned to preach on. And God just used that message in such a glorious way. We thank God for the great services last Sunday with Brother Ildi preaching in the morning and Brother Kevin Ham at night. You missed glorious services last week if you missed that. Now in John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man could do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a teacher in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily I say unto you, We speak that which we do know, and testify that which we have seen. Ye receive not our witness. I have told you earthly things, ye believe not. How shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Let's say that together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In this text and passage, we see the message, the meaning, the method, and the miracle of the new birth. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Again, he said, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The title of the message today is God's Formula for Revival. It's really in two parts. The second part deals with the second part of this chapter with a theme in verse 30, he must increase but I must decrease. The first part deals with the new birth, for without the new birth there can be no revival because unless there is first life, there can be not be new life. There cannot be a restoration of life. And so first of all this morning, we look at the most important truth in all the Word of God. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a good man. He was a ruler among the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee. Remember that the apostle Paul, who formerly had been called Saul, was also a Pharisee. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin. It's possible that Saul and Nicodemus knew each other. There's another famous man in the Bible named Gamaliel. He was also a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. And it's possible that these three were friends. Now there was much peer pressure in those days. They had heard about this peasant from Galilee who was touching blind eyes and causing the sea, interrupting funeral processions and raising dead people to life who spoke as never a man spoke before with authority. And there was peer pressure among the up and outs not to have anything to do with this peasant. Though we read clearly that Herod had heard about him and wanted to meet him, but had no way to meet a commoner like Jesus. And so it's no surprise that Nicodemus came at night, possibly to protect his own reputation, maybe because Jesus was so busy the only time he could have time to give him very much time was at night. We don't really know all the reasons that Nicodemus came at night, but he came at night and he said, you must be from God because nobody could do what you're doing except God be with him. Now there was a spark of recognition in what Nicodemus said. He was able to recognize that what Jesus was teaching and saying is something he needed. It takes a remarkable degree of brokenness and conviction for a man of this world to recognize that Jesus has something he needs. You see, in the world in which we live, most people are content with what they have. They feel that their life consisteth in the abundance of the things which they possess. 
They have a car. They have a fine home. They have good clothes. They have a family. They have children. They have social, social prestige. They're a member of certain clubs, certain select economic groups, and they are not aware of their need. And on the other hand, you find folks who have nothing. And so many times, they also are unaware of their spiritual need because they feel the only thing they really need is to get enough money to get a car and to get a house and get some fine clothes and get the things that they see other people have. And so we have the crossing of the paths of the people, none of them really realizing how much they need Jesus. But Nicodemus recognized he had a need. And he came to Jesus one night. And I remember that Nicodemus was a, he didn't cuss. He didn't swear. He didn't talk dirty. He didn't, his mouth was not filled with barnyard language like some of ours. He didn't run around on his wife. He went to church every Sunday and he tithed his income. Everything he got, he gave 10% to God. How do you know all that? Because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were the most religious sect in that day. And you never caught one of them in any kind of moral depravity, outwardly, that is. But he knew he had a need. And he came to the Lord. He came to the right place. Now, listen to the message. He said, you must be a ruler come from God. Nobody could do what you're doing except God be with him. And you would expect the Lord to say, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. That's very kind of you. The Lord didn't say anything like that at all. He just looked right into his eyes and he said, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus didn't understand that. He said, why, sir, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And we pass now from the message to the meaning. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's the message. What did he mean by that? Nicodemus said, I don't understand this. Can I become a little baby and enter my mother's womb all over again? And Jesus said, you must be born twice, Nicodemus. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes medical doctors speak of the birth, the physical birth, as the water birth just prior to the birth of a baby. There's the gush of water. Sometimes this is called the water birth. I'm persuaded that in this passage, though there are many colors of interpretation, many people see different things in this, I'm persuaded that because of the context in which Jesus is speaking of two births, he's contrasting the fleshly with the spiritual, that he's talking in verse 5 of the fleshly birth as over against the spiritual birth. He says, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven because, verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, there's some things about this new birth experience we need to see. First of all, Jesus is speaking of a definite experience. To be born again is something that happens to your life and in your life. It's not something that happens on the outside and you never know about it. 
It's something that happens to you personally. I've said to people sometimes, are you saved? And they say, well, I've always been saved. Are you a Christian? Well, I've always been. I was, I was a Christian when I was born. I said to somebody this week, have you been born again? Oh, he said, yes, that happened to me when I was a little baby. My mother took me to church and got me baptized. There are strange understandings of this. But Jesus said, this new birth is something you know about. It's different from the water birth. It's different from your fleshly birth. It's different from something that happened when you got into the world and you knew nothing about it. It is something that occurs in your conscience, conscious process, something in your moral being. It is a revolution inside that shakes you up. I'm not talking about an emotional outburst. In some people's lives it is, but not in others. But I want to tell you it is a definite experience. Someone asked Dr. Summerfield, where were you born? He said, I was born in Dublin and Liverpool. Born in Dublin and Liverpool, what do you mean? Oh, he said, I was born the first time in Dublin. I was born the second time in Liverpool. And that gave him a tremendous opportunity to tell what he meant by that. You see, being born again is a definite experience. It happens to you in time. And I want to ask you this morning, has it happened to you? It is not the same as joining a church. It is not the same as being baptized. It is not the same as turning over a new leaf. It is not the same as quitting your cursing, quitting your swearing, quitting your drunkenness. Being born again can be at the same time all those other things take place, but it is more than that. It is an instantaneous experience that occurs deep in your heart. Now the lead up may be long. There may be many, many days of conviction. Before I was saved, I was under conviction for quite a while. I think I could have been saved when I was five years old if somebody showed me how. I know I went to my grandmother's funeral when I was eight and the preacher talked about her being in heaven and they sang, saved by grace, someday the silver cord will break and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king and something inside said, I don't have that kind of assurance. I don't know that I'd go to heaven if I died. As a matter of fact, God, I deserve hell. But I wasn't saved there. I got under the Word of God. Sometimes I'd hear the Word of God, and I'd leave church, and I'd say, I'm not going back, because God's Holy Spirit was convicting me. I knew I needed God, but I was back the next Sunday. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That conviction started and drew me he drew me long before I came, before my sinful heart was stirred. That new birth experience is an instantaneous experience. There came a night, a night of nights. When I was in church, I heard the preacher preach. I knew I was lost. If I died, I'd gone to hell that very night. They sang, Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. And I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I want to go. I want to be saved. I'm afraid of all these people. And it seemed like I heard a voice inside saying, Richard, if you'll take the first step, I'll go with you the rest of the way. And I took a step out on the aisle and Jesus began to go with me. And he's always been with me ever since. The night I was saved, I wasn't saved at the altar. I wasn't saved in my home. I wasn't saved in a car. I was saved in an aisle. As I stepped out by faith and put my trust in Jesus. The new birth is an instantaneous experience. Thirdly, 
The new birth, birth is a spiritual experience. It is something that's wrought out inside of you. It is different from all these outside things that are done to you. It is a spiritual experience beginning in the heart and working its way out. Many times after a person is born again, he still has problems with the old habits. Because you see, the new birth is a spiritual experience that starts on the inside. It doesn't start on the outside. It doesn't start by your quitting, your drinking and smoking and chewing and cussing and everything else. Now all those things are part of it and a man needs to be sorry for those things and repent of those things and be willing to give them up but they may have such a clutch upon you that they have their habits and their claws digged deep into your life and you have a tough time giving them up. But I want to tell you if the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and you receive Christ as your personal Savior and he lives inside, then those other things are going to gradually be given off because you don't need them any longer. They're like excess baggage that you don't need. You don't have to have them anymore. And little by little by little by little, you can do without them as the Holy Spirit gives you the spiritual power to overcome. But the new birth begins on the inside. It is wrought out from within. An instantaneous, definite, experience that starts on the inside of your heart. And I want to ask you, I like the, the old-fashioned singer's song that you, they used to sing, if you were saved on Monday, stand up, or saved on Tuesday, and so on. We need to know when we were saved. Now, you may not know the date, but you need to know the experience. Has there been a definite experience in your life when you were born again into God's family? Before that, you were a child of the devil, you were not on your way to heaven. But when you're born again, you're a child of God and you're on your way to heaven. Some of you have come into this room this morning, children of devil, on the way to hell. You can leave in a little while, child of God, on the way to heaven. If you're willing to be born again. Now, the new birth is a lasting experience. It's not something you catch and you can lose tomorrow. It's not something you get today and two or three days later you lose it and then five or six days later you get it back and then ten days later you lose it and then all your life you go up and down never knowing whether you're saved or not. My friend, to be born again is to be born again one time forever. It's an instantaneous experience, a definite experience, a spiritual experience, and it's a lasting experience. It takes for good. Now, what about people that come and say, well, you know, I went down the aisle and I did all those things and I did this and that and the other and, and uh, two or three years later, I found out I wasn't really saved. <laughs> well, they never were saved or they always were saved. You see, walking down an aisle, crying some tears, following in, in baptism, demonstrating a new life, those things don't save you. Those are outward experiences. Only the Holy Spirit can work that work of God in your heart that brings you to a point where you're aware of your terrible need of Jesus. And deep inside, you cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I deserve hell. And I ask you to save me for Jesus' sake. But that's a lasting experience. You take a little old wiggly caterpillar 
You know, boys like to throw caterpillars on girls. I don't know why they do that. You don't like to do that, do you, Jay? Good. Some do. Especially teenagers. I see them do that every once in a while. That's awful. Old wiggly caterpillar, you watch him. And after a while, he spins a little cocoon and he gets inside of it. I don't know how he does that. But he gets inside of it. And then that cocoon stays there. And after a while, one day, it bursts open. And what comes out? A butterfly. Now, I want to ask. Nothing good for you, brother. Not a thing. That butterfly can never be a caterpillar again. He'll always be a butterfly. He may not live long, but he'll always be a butterfly. That's what happens to you when you get saved. You can never be a child of the devil again. You can act like one. 
you can get confused and have some doubts about it. But if you're really born again, God's Holy Spirit says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm yours and you're mine forever and forever and forever and forever. A lasting experience. Last of all, Nicodemus said, how can these things be? I don't understand it. And Jesus said, well, look at the wind. It blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it comes from or where, where it's going. So is everybody that's born of the Spirit. In other words, being born again has an element of mystery. You can't see it, but you can experience it. And then he said, listen to the Word. And he began in verse 14 to tell Nicodemus an Old Testament story. He said, Nicodemus, do you remember when the Jews sinned against God and they murmured against Moses and grumbled and grumbled and grumbled and God sent a poisonous plague of snakes on the Jews. And many of the Jews were dying from the snake bites. And God said, Moses, you make a brass image of a snake and put it up on a post way out in the wilderness. And you come back and say to those Jews when you're bitten by a snake, if you'll just look, look, there's life for a look. The moment you look, you'll be healed. Well, some of them said when they got bitten by a snake, I think I'll go down here to the river and I'll baptize my snake bite. I'll sort of wash it off, do the best I can. And they did that and they died. Some of them may have said, well, I think I'll go out and get some vegetable herbs and I'll rub them on my snake bite and I guess I'll be all right. And they died. And some of them said, well, I'll tell you, I just don't feel like, I just don't have the feeling, I just don't feel like looking today. And they died. But some of them said, listen, I may not feel like it, I may not understand it, but God said, look, and I know I've been bitten by a snake and I'm going to die. I'm going to look. And friend, the moment they looked, they were healed. Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's what it means to be born again. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on a cross, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that life is available to you. There's life for a look if you know you're a sinner, if you know you're on your way to hell, come to Jesus. Give Him your burden. Give Him your hurts. Give Him your heartaches. Come with your sins. Come with your sorrow. Come with your faith. Come with your lack of faith. But come. And Jesus said in John 6, 37, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you for this simple truth from God's Word. We must be born again. We pray that somebody in this place today who has never been born again would open his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. That this might be God's day, God's hour of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? And let's turn to number 200. 52, come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Number 252. Now let me ask you, please do not move around. No one leaving. This is God's invitation for just a moment. 
Would you just right here and now be willing to say, I need the new birth. I need to be born again. I need for my life to start over again. Now, there's something that is wrought out within your heart. If you have that want to inside, God's Holy Spirit put it there. You can be born again this morning. Here's how. Just in deep humility, whisper from your heart, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I deserve hell, but I ask you to save me. If you'll do that, Jesus will save you right now. If you've already been saved but have not confessed Him openly, you've never followed the Lord in baptism, you've not made it public, do that because that's God's plan for you right now. Will you step out for Jesus while we begin to sing, Who will come first for the King? Will you come right now?